This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. I'm Jake Litarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, you can give John a follow. That's at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can give me a follow at jakeski52. Today we're going to be making our fantasy picks for the biggest fights at UFC 230. Hopefully help you guys out a little bit with some DraftKings lineup construction. If you want to read John's full breakdowns, those are free on rotowire.com. Just click on the MMA. All content's free there. You can read his main uh, pay-per-view breakdown. I got our staff picks up. We're going to do our main card breakdown now, and the Fight IQ guys are going to get going uh, tomorrow, Friday at 8 Eastern. They'll do some little bit of live video Q&A for you here. So that's the lineup for Fight Week. John, we've got a heck of a card to discuss at Madison Square Garden for UFC 230, but man, since we last talked, uh, Habib did what a lot of people thought he was going to do against Conor. I want to hear your thoughts on that fight, and what do you think is next for both guys? Uh, You know, that pretty much went the way I thought it would. Um, You know, Conor landed a couple power shots here and there, but, you know, he just had trouble with the grappling of Habib, which everybody has. Um, And what's next is is a really good question. Um, From as far as Habib goes, um, you know, you heard his agent, you know, throw out all kinds of ridiculous numbers for him to fight again and how much he wants and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, th- I think that's kind of a, uh, you know, wait and see situation. You know, maybe it's something out of the box, like maybe Ben Askren, you know, at a higher weight class or, or something like that. And, um, you know, Connor's, you know, same thing. Um, you know, obviously he's not going to get another title shot right away. Um, Nate but Diaz? maybe it, Nate it could Diaz? be, yeah, it could, it could be, People you know, that, buy that some, fight. I mean, Hell, I'll buy that fight. Yeah, that that that's certainly something they could look at. Um, you know, they would certainly you know promote um you know previous fights and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that that's a way they could go, especially since uh you know the Diaz Dustin Poirier fight, which was supposed to be on this card, ended up falling through. So, um, the USC hasn't mentioned anything, and there haven't been any reports about 
um, you know, that fight being rebooked. So, you know, they definitely could go um, the Diaz Connor route. But um, yeah, as far as the Diaz brothers, a little tough to deal with, I guess. Yeah, that, that's that's never changing. That's going to be an ongoing issue. Um, you know, I've said this before. I, I you know, I don't want to say they fight just for the money. But, um, you know, I, I think that's certainly, you know, a large it is for all fighters. But I, I think that's, you know, that's a good that's certainly, you know, main portion of, you know, why they step in the cage these days and why they're so reluctant, you know, to re- accept seemingly a bunch of fights. Exactly. And one name I'm glad you brought up in that uh, discussion, John, is Ben Askren. We saw something monumental this week. You know, I should have led in with that. I mean, the UFC made a trade with one championship. They will be sending Ben or they will be receiving Ben Askren, their uh, welterweight champion over there. One of the widely regarded as one of the best, you know, legitimate undefeated fighters out there. And of course, they're sending away Demetrius Johnson over to one. I think that works great for both parties. Everyone's happy. Seems to indicate the UFC will eliminate their men's flyweight division so uh because i mean you got sergio pettis moving up so Hudo's going to move up to fight dillashaw so that seems like the next course of action i mean uh what was your reaction when you heard that john and i what, what do you think ben Askren's ceiling is in the ufc have you followed him much at all yeah i have he's really good i was certainly surprised when i heard the news but um you know when you think about it and when you an- analyze it a little deeper it certainly makes a lot of sense um you know as good as demetrius johnson was you know for years you know the only forever the only flyweight champion the ufc had ever had um the ufc was struggling to find fights for him and um he just wasn't you know part he just wasn't particularly marketable you know they would put his flyweight title fights on you know the big fox instead of pay-per-views which you almost never see and um you know, we would always talk about, you know, how many how, who wants to see him fight, you know, Joseph Benavidez again or who wants to see him fight John Dodson again or, you know, whoever it is. And at least this way, you have two world class fighters who, you know, are certainly going to be well taken care of, you know, money wise. But, you know, more important than that for the, you know, as far as the sport goes, it opens up a whole bunch of new opportunities and new matchups. Obviously, more for Askren considering the depth of the UFC roster compared to the depth of the 1FC roster. But, you know, both guys, it's, you know, and Ariel Hawani tweeted this out it's the rare deal where everybody involved was happy. You know, Askren's happy. Um, Johnson's happy. Both companies are happy. Uh, so obviously they're happy with, you know, whatever new de- deals, you know, their new guy signed. So it, it's, it was a monumental thing. And, you know, they went, you know, they went head first with this, you know, it wasn't, you know, a half-assed trade with, you know, two guys who are just fringe fighters. You know, these are two of the best fighters in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, Ben Askren, you know, for those who aren't as familiar because he ha- hasn't fought in the UFC, is, you know, he's he's kind of got a Habib thing going on as far as, you know, his grappling and, you know, he sticks to you and he's just, he's really tough to fight and smothering. And, uh, you know, it hasn't all been, it hasn't been rosy over the years between Ben Askren and Dana White. You know, a lot of war words, a lot of back and forth, but, I think you know, Dana still end, has him blocked on Twitter. That was the yeah, he that does. Was another thing this week. Yeah. That'll but in change. the end... <laughs> Yeah, in the end, you know, it is how it always is. Money and, uh, you know, business, you know, win out. And I think both both men realize that, you know, this move and Ben Askren joined the UFC, you know, is what's best for business. And uh, it, that's what they're going to go. And there are a lot of interesting matchups that they can put for Ben Askren. When he finally does make his debut with UFC, it's going to be big, big news no matter who he fights. So it's definitely something to watch as we go into 2019. I mean, the guy's called out everyone. He could fight Darren Till. I mean, he could fight Kamaru Usman. He could fight Colby Covington, who's probably going to get Woodley next. But there's a big line of guys that he can fight. Going to be an interesting thing to break down from a DraftKings perspective when we get going, because he's not the guy that's going to land 100, 200 significant strikes in a fight. You're going to rack up 
Well, you'll get ground strikes, I guess, but you're going to rack up most of your uh, uh, points from uh, takedowns and passing guard, and and he'll and he's going to jump right into it. He's still young enough to have a serious impact on the title picture, and you know. The knock on him was nobody knows who he is. Can he really have a big fight? GSP doesn't really want to fight him because nobody knows him. But he kind of got after it on social media, and he's starting to make a name for himself pretty quickly. So that's going to be very interesting. I can't wait to uh, break down his fights. I know uh, he – I mean, I'm from Wisconsin, and I know he's from the area and has some wrestling camps in the area. A couple friends that are a few years older than me um, you know, are familiar through the wrestling avenues in the state with him. So gets a lot of support up here, and it's going to be be awesome to see – where it goes but john we got a main event to break down we're going to shift our focus now to ufc 230 i mean man we could we could sit and talk about headline news all day i think but the focus here is going to be to get our users prepared to win some money on DraftKings this weekend and we've got a pretty interesting main event i mean the ufc's capitalizing on the Derek lewis post-fight interview they're capitalizing on his name recognition being higher than ever but they're feeding them to the dogs, man. DC is the heavyweight champion, and he will be welcoming him to the octagon in the main event. DraftKings has this right. I think Cormier is 9600 one of the highest priced. I believe the highest priced on the slate. Lewis is 6600 Cormier is a minus 700 betting favorite last time I checked. Lewis is a plus 500 betting favorite. So whatever your strategy is, you probably want to get a piece of this fight because the odds to finish are minus 1300 quite a bit. Uh, John, I mean... Are the salaries right, and do you see this one playing out how most people think it's going to play out? Yeah, you know, I I think you have to, you know, I you know, I think you have to pick Daniel Cormier in a relative landslide. Um, you know, Derek Lewis is what he is, what he is, and that's fine. He, you know, he's a one punch knockout artist with insane power who has no cardio whatsoever, and you know, the rest of his game is questionable to put it mildly. Um, you know, I assume I would think at least I know, I'm sure Lewis knows that Cormier knows that, you know, Lewis isn't, you know, delusional. He's well aware of what's, what's going on here. I mean, a month Um, ago he's saying, man, I can't fight for no title because my cardio is not good enough, but he knows dollar signs say differently. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, the, the thing I will say about this is as massive of an underdog as he is. And, you know, obviously an extreme long shot. Derek Lewis's power gives him a chance to win any single fight he's in. Um, you know, the odds of finishing, uh, of, you know, being able to connect against Daniel Cormier are obviously far less than they would be against some fringe heavyweight. But Lewis has a puncher's chance, as he said, in any fight that he's in because of his power. Now, Lewis's last fight against Alexander Volkov, which is going to end up being less than a month ago, um, he was going to lose. He was 11 seconds away from losing. Um, landed one of his insane monster shots, and next thing you know, he's fighting for a title at Madison Square Garden. So, you know, if you're if you make a ton of lineups, and I, you know, I'm talking, you know, at least a half dozen, you know, nine, ten, whatever, um, and you want to throw Lewis in as your last guy, you know, in your lineup because you have other heavy heavy price guys that you like, it's not, you know, the worst idea in the world considering um, how heavy of an underdog he is. But, um, you know, obviously Daniel Cormier has the wrestling advantage. He has the experience advantage. He has the cardio advantage. And the other thing that never gets talked about is Daniel Cormier's chin. Um, you know, in all the professional fights that he's had, 23 and all, um, you know, he's never officially been knocked out. 
Um, I like he was stopped. I, by, he, I right, he was stopped by bit. John Jones. It's, I mean, <laughs> he was stopped by John Jones, in, you know, last July, and <laughs> that got overturned. So that ends up being a no contest. So yeah. I mean, officially, he, he got kicked in the head. For anyone that missed that one, he got kicked in the head did. and went down. Like, oh yeah, but that doesn't. But but been, that by no means says he has a soft chin by any means. I mean, he's never been hurt like that in the past, and Bones can do that to people because he's Bones. Oh yeah. And he took a ton of shots from Jones in the first fight between the two. He took a bunch of punishment from Alexander Gustafson when the two fought. Um, Anthony Johnson clipped him a couple times. You know, Stipe, you know, did a de- you know, Stipe got a couple shots in early in that in the last fight when he won the UFC heavyweight championship. So, you know, this is this is not certainly not an issue. You know, Daniel Cormier has been hit before. His chin's holding up. You know, he's 39 years old and he doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, you know, Cormier has essentially said that, you know, he's nearing the end, you know, maybe two or three more fights and, you know, that's it. I think everybody thought it was going to be Brock Lesnar next, but this card couldn't find a main event. And, um, the dollar sign was, the dollar amount was apparently correct for both guys. So this is a heavy, heavy, about as big a test as it gets for Lewis. He knows that he's not delusional. He's well aware of what he's looking at. I expect him to run across the cage and just try and knock Cormier out. The odds of it happening are low, but it's, they're not non-zero. So um, you got to pick Cormier to win. I think it's going to be a little more entertaining than people think. I don't think Cormier is going to get a takedown 10 seconds in yeah. and just grind the whole way. I think Lewis will probably land a couple shots that Cormier will ultimately have to, you know, survive, but he should be able, he should be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Lewis will spend a lot of time on his back on this one because Cormier wants to avoid that power shot and can't really connect with it so much when your back is on the ground. Um, I think that Cormier is going to try to play this one smart. I think um, I was at UFC 200, obviously a vastly, vastly different opponent when uh, Cormier fought. Anderson Silva. It was kind of a fight that was scrapped together. Well, I mean, much later than this one. It was originally supposed to be Bones, but it was something that was scrapped together late. This one's less than a month, so it's put together late. And I think he'll. This is part of the reason why some of the fans don't get behind DC. But I think he'll play this one a little bit conservatively, knowing what's at stake here. There's no reason to dance around and try to trade shots with a guy like Lewis on the feet. It's just not a good idea, and he has so much to lose, including you know that Lesnar fight. If DC were to somehow lose, does that Lesnar fight go to Lewis? I don't know. So he's got a lot to lose. So I think he's going to fight this one smart. And the fight way to smart Lewis, or the smart way to fight Lewis, will be to get him on his back early and continue that. And that's going to be the game plan for most of the rounds. And he, Lewis is capable of getting up. Definitely got that size advantage. I mean, he's got to cut some serious weight to get to 265. I don't know about serious weight, but definitely does have to cut. So, yeah, I'm picking Luke Cormier. You're picking Cormier. The entire staff picks Cormier. That is a sweep. But let's just, uh, looking through the DraftKings lobby here, John, there's a contest called the uh, $15,000 MMA Mini Max. It's only $1 to entry, but it's one of those multi-entry tournaments, and it's 150 entries maximum. Let's just say, hypothetically, you enter that tournament 150 times. How many lineups are you going to put Lewis in? I don't know, maybe half dozen, you know, a dozen somewhere around there. He has he has a chance. You know, you used to see these fights where Demetrius Johnson and Ronda Rousey were minus twelve and minus thirteen hundred favorites and all these crazy things. And you looked at you looked at the fight and you just said there is no way in hell whoever their respective opponents were would be able to beat them. Just never, ever, ever gonna happen. That's not the case here. Yeah. This Lewis is a, Yeah, narrow, more narrow than that, I agree with you. Yeah. Lewis has you know, has an equal, you know, has an equalizer in his repertoire. 
the odds of getting it and landing any of them against someone like Cormier are slim. And partly that's because Cormier is so smart. Cormier is, uh, you know, he's not going to, I highly, highly doubt. He, he knows how dangerous Lewis is. He's not going to stand a distance to put on a show and get in a kick, you know, get in a boxing match with Derek Lewis. That's exactly so, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's not going to happen. He's going to go in. He's going to tr- try and throw him on his back right away and just grind him. And, you know, there's no doubt the longer this fight goes, the worse it is for Derek Lewis. There's no way he's going to end up. He's going to be as fresh, you know, even in round two as he is when this thing starts. So I actually think I'm, I, I don't know why I, um, for a fight that's as lopsided as it is with the odds and salaries. I'm kind of looking forward to this one, probably a little more than I should be. Yeah, right on. And I know the fight fans that watched the last card with Conor McGregor and got their first exposure to Derek Lewis are most definitely looking forward to it as well. So, like, you know, like I agree with you. A puncher's chance here. It should be entertaining. Um, you know, I wouldn't stack this fight as in use both fighters even in a cash game because I don't think there's going to be a ton of striking volume either way. Or Lewis, even in a, in a loss, I don't see Lewis getting too many more than, like, 20 30 fantasy points on DraftKings, so i'd probably avoid stacking this one but uh you know there's again out of 150 i think i, I think it'd be fair to maybe get 10 percent exposure 10 to 15 lineups in there something like that that that, that jives with me just fine and I, I can't wait to watch this one as well john let's move on though to the co-main event got a middleweight matchup between chris weidman and jacare souza this was originally supposed to be weidman versus rockhold Rockhold had a withdrawal due to injury, and now we have Weidman Souza. Still a pretty good fight. It jumbled up the whole card. We'll get to that uh, as we move down the pay-per-view portion. Uh, but Weidman enters this one as a pretty decent favorite. He's a minus 160 betting favorite. Souza plus 140. Weidman's 8,500 on DraftKings, where Souza is 7,700. Odds to finish are minus 150, so pretty decent. Our staff is pretty heavy on Weidman in this one. John, do you want to try to explain why? You know, I picked Weidman, but I, I, it wasn't one of those things where when you mentioned the reshuffling of the card, when I saw this matchup was going to be announced and this is what was going to happen, it certainly wasn't one of those fights where I looked at it and immediately said, oh, Weidman's going to win, you know, I mean, you know, without looking at it a little deeper, not like Cormier and Lewis, where you see it announcing like, OK, Cormier is going to win. You know, I didn't feel that way with Weidman, uh, but he ultimately got the nod for me. And I was really looking forward to the Weidman Rockhold fight simply because between the first fight between the two, Chris Meyer, Weidman was winning until he went for a, a, you know, a, a spinning back shot foolishly, and Luke Rockhold turned the whole tide of that fight. So um, this is a good fight, and the reason this is an interesting fight for me is um, Jacare Souza and Luke Rockhold are completely different kinds of opponents. Rockhold, as good as he is on the mat, his best asset is his long frame and his kickboxing. So that's a fight where Chris Weidman definitely would have wanted to try to implement his wrestling game. Against Jacare, who has struggled on the feet lately, is getting hit a bit more, and obviously Jacare's biggest strength is his world-class ground game. So if Weidman is going to go for takedowns against Jacare, you know, Jacare can submit anybody, even from the bottom. So Weidman has to be careful, even if he's in top position. So Weidman might be better served in this fight to try and keep it on the feet, which is not something you say generally in fights with Chris Weidman. And Weidman has said that, you know, the UFC told him, he told him he's going to get a title shot if he wins. He's one in three in his last four fights. So I know there's, you know, some flukiness in there and, you know, some controversy, but, um, 
You know, he's still one and three in his last four fights. But when you look at it, his only wins over Kelvin Gaston, who's about to fight for the middleweight title against Robert Whitaker. So I guess he is right there when you think about it. Um, odds and salaries, 8,500 and 7,700 seem about right to me. Vegas odds, maybe a little too high. You know, for my liking, I would think Weidman should probably be more in the maybe 125, 130 area instead of minus 160. But um, this is a good fight. It's not as good as Wadman Rockhold 2 would have been, but um, this is a good fight. And Jacare, even though he's going to be 39 years old next month, he's still good. He's still in good shape. He's still undoubtedly one of the you know best four or five middleweights on the world in the world somewhere in there. And he's fought better than his three and three record in his last six fights would indicate. So this is a good fight. And you know Jacare, even both guys, even with you know their semi struggles lately, are going to be pretty close to a title shot no matter who wins especially since Rockhold had to withdraw and you know that's probably your other contender Mm -hmm. yeah for me John this one is uh Sousa's livelier than I think people are giving him credit for in this one this is one where five of our six staff members uh went ahead and picked Chris Weidman I was a little bit surprised on that and I was the only one that went against the grain and picked Sousa and I'm going to try to explain my rationale why um let me preface this by saying there are a lot of large discrepancies on this cards there are very few close fights here so it's very hard to make cash games on DraftKings. um little i mean you're gonna have to pick some big time underdogs at least three of them chances are if you want to pick five or six or three favorites i guess and complete your lineup of six fighters but i like souza for a few reasons one uh like you mentioned weidman was preparing for luke rockhold and souza is a 100 percent different type of opponent than Rockhold. So that factors in a little bit, and it's a little bit of a late-notice fight, so that's probably why he thinks he's getting a title shot after this because they've made some type of deal within that. But again, it's a, it's a shift in your camp pretty late in the game, and I just, I just don't know if it's as far apart as the numbers say. Here's what I think. Here's how I see this one happening. Now, in Weidman's last fight, he was able to manhandle Kelvin Gastelum on the ground because he does have quite a big size advantage over Gastelum, who is a former welterweight fighter. Weidman, you know, got position. He was able to pass guard and he eventually submitted him. I think I'm, I'm a little inclined to believe that Weidman in this in this scenario might be a little bit overconfident in his jujitsu. I don't think he, like you said, he'd be smart to try to keep this one standing. I don't think he, in his head, is afraid of going to the ground with Jacare Souza. And in reality, maybe he should be a little bit. And I, I think he's going to not hesitate to shoot for the takedown, not hesitate to get into a grappling position with, with, with Jacare. And I think there's a more than fair chance that Jacare catches him. And it was very, very difficult to pick this one straight up because on paper, I believe I do believe in a lot of the things that you do that would lead me to pick Weidman, but I think Sousa's a livelier dog than people are expecting. And on a card that 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 there's not a lot of great underdog plays on, I'm going to use Sousa in my lineup here. And I think he's going to win just because of you know maybe the difference in perceived grappling ability versus actual grappling ability. And that's what does it for me. It's a close one, John. Yeah, I have no problem with you know with that theory. And the thing that worries me the probably most about Weidman, which I didn't mention, is how hang, how banged up he's been of, of late. He you know he hasn't been healthy. 
Mm-hmm. He's looking at, you know, just about 16 months between fights when he steps into the cage on Saturday. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, he's had hand problems. I believe yeah. it's his thumb. I think he had a knee issue. He, he's been banged up. So And Souza's fought twice in 2018. He beat Derek Brunson with a first-round knockout. Then he lost the split decision to Kelvin Gastelum, who Weidman also beat. So there's the common opponent recently. But, uh, yeah, more active and less blatantly injured, at least one would think. Yeah, I, I have, I, you know, I have no problem with the pick of Jocker right here. Um, like I said, the, the odds, the salary is you know about right, maybe a hundred dollars here either way. But Jocker is definitely a live, a live underdog, and I like the point that you made as far as uh, you know the gaps on this car. You know, a lot of heavy favorites, and that makes it really hard to construct your lineup. Which is one of the reasons I just advocated that if you make a bunch of lineups, that Derek Lewis isn't the worst idea in the world. Mm-hmm. Simply because there are a lot of high price fighters on this card, and if you want to use them, you're going to have to try and find some kind of value somewhere. Mm-hmm. But this is a good fight, and actually, you know, two guys. And Weidman's not old, obviously, but you know, two guys who are getting up there, and you know, it's a fight that. I don't know if a lot of people thought we'd ever get to see, you know, God knows Jacare is, you know, going to be 39 next month. So you don't know how many fights he has left. And I'm I'm glad we're going to get to see this matchup because it's certainly a fight that didn't appear to be on the radar, you know, all that long ago. Yeah, this fight and the rest of the fights on the pay-per-view card actually all come in the middleweight division. So, you know, at least keep all the rankings shuffling to one division here and we'll see what happens. So I think we both have pretty good, reasonable takes on, on Weidman and Susan and why we'd use them both. Um, the next one that we're going to talk about, though, John, it seems to me like it's a little bit more lopsided. Another middleweight matchup, of course, David Branch takes on Jared Cannonier. Now, Branch was supposed to take on Jacare Souza. That he had kind of challenged him. He even ordered alligator meat online and ate it in some social media. Like it was really a thing that they had going. But of course, the Luke Rockhold injury shuffled everything around. Now, Branch is kind of a loser in this situation because he gets a less higher profile of opponent, and there's more pressure on him because he has to win. The discrepancies here are clear. Branch is a $9,300 fighter. Cannoneer's at $6,900 fighter. Branch minus 360. His opponent plus 300. Vegas likes this one to finish a little bit at minus 125 here. Um, but yeah, I guess maybe explain to the listeners why Branch is a big favorite and how confident you are using him on DraftKings. I'm really confident in Branch. And uh, to be honest, I feel bad for him. He, like you mentioned, he, of uh, this whole shakeup that ended up on this card with the Luca Rockhold injury. Branch is by far the biggest loser in this whole situation. Wadman and, and Jacare end up fighting each other, so that's still two high-profile guys there. But Branch goes from fighting Jacare to fighting a guy in Cannoneer who, as far, you know, as far as I'm concerned, is really nothing more than roster depth. He's had a bunch of chances with the company and really just hasn't shown much. One in so, three in his last four. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's just not much there. He's fought at heavyweight, he's fought a light heavyweight. Now he's going to fight a middleweight. Um, you know, I, there's just not much there as far as I'm concerned with Cannoneer. And Branch has very very little to gain. He turned 37 years old years old in September. Um, you know, just over you know just a little over a month ago, the end of September. Um, he's you know he this is a fight he's supposed to win, and if he doesn't win, obviously he's going to go to the back of the line. And even if he does win, which, you know, I think we're all expecting, he has very, very little to gain from it. All it's going to do is, you know, knock six months off his career or whatever until he fights again. Um, You know, Branch is really, really good. 22 and four overall, very strong, solid all around game. Six career wins by knockout, seven by submission. Does a lot of things well. Um, Fought Luke Rockhold last September in a fight. He was winning, undoubtedly. Until he got caught late in the second and ended up getting knocked out. 
returned this last April and knocked out Tiago Santos. So Branch is really good. I was when the original scheduled Branch Jack Ray fight was announced. I was undecided on who I was going to pick. It was like 50-50 for me in a coin flip. I never really actually made a pick because the fight got canceled, but that was up in the air for me to give you an idea of how good Branch is. Had a lot of success in the World Series, you know, now PFL, former World Series of Fighting. Um, you know, Branch is really good. He's underrated because he hasn't been in the UFC all that long, um, you know, recently in his most recent run. But he's good, and he should win this fight, I would think, fairly easily. But... Um, Again, he's the big loser out of all this because he has not he has nothing to gain and everything to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he he was the double champ in another promotion before it was even cool, really. And uh, yeah, he comes in as a heavy favorite. I think he deserves it. I mean, he's a very you mentioned him being a, a very well rounded martial artist. So if it goes to the ground, I think that especially favors him a little bit. I mean, anybody that's calling out Jacare Souza in a fight has to be pretty damn confident in their grappling ability. So there's no doubt in that. At ninety three hundred, you. When you're spending that much on a fighter, you, you're pretty much banking on a stoppage. You definitely want to get a stoppage. So that is, um, that's a little bit concerning to me because I could see it maybe going the distance unless he's able to get him to the ground and finish him. But, but yeah, out of the big favorites on this one, I think Branch is as good as, as any to put in your lineup. And, uh, and yeah, you mentioned Cannoneer used to fight at, um, at, light heavyweight but branch actually has the two inch height and one inch reach advantage uh cannoneer more of a striker by trade but i think branch even though you know he'll be able to hang with him enough and branch of course has the the advantages when it's on the ground so i think branch is going to get in he's going to take care of business he's going to win this fight the only concern that i have is maybe it's by decision instead of by finish which which makes his 9300 price take a little bit tough to deal with are you with me there it definitely could be, you know, this is, it's, it's interesting because I think Branch certainly has a lot more natural ability than Cannoneer, mm-hmm. but again, this is a case where he has, you know, a different, uh, a different opponent on late notice. That's always a bit risky. You don't know how a guy's going to handle that. Branch's athletic ability and, you know, overall skill level should ultimately win out when all is said and done. But, you know, the late notice opponent change is something to always keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, maybe he takes it a little bit more carefully than he would in his previous fight. But let's keep going down these middleweights, John. This is one that I can best describe as kind of a filler fight. They needed another fight for the pay-per-view and due to all that shuffling that we had previously discussed. Yeah, they needed all they needed another fight and they bring up another middleweight uh, matchup. It's between Carl Roberson and Jack Marshman. Roberson a pretty big favorite, 8700, Marshman 7500. Roberson the betting odds match up just fine with it. He's a minus 270 favorite. Marshman plus 230. Odds to finish minus 205. So you could conceivably want to get a piece of this. Uh, two guys actually picked uh, Marshman in our staff picks, Evan and Joe. Um, and I definitely respect their opinions as well. But I believe you went Roberson. And, and can you explain to me what you know about him and, and why you were leaning that direction? I went Roberson. Um, I'm going to start this off by saying I would probably avoid this fight at all costs. It's a very, very strange, like you just mentioned. It's a weird fight in general. It's a very, very weird fight to be on the main card of a pay-per-view. Um, I know this isn't the deepest undercard the UFC has ever produced, but to me, this is a really, really strange fight to put on the main card of a pay-per-view. Um my reason for picking Roberson was fairly straightforward. He's definitely the better athlete. Um, you know, he moves better. And um, from the little we've seen of Marshman in his four UFC fights, the record 500, two and two. But he's just there's not a lot there. It's more his losses are to Carlos Jr. and, and Santos. So decent losses, at least. 
Right. He, he, so he, you know, he's, and I, you know, I, I think we'd both agree Carlos Jr. and Thiago are, you know, are both better than Roberson. So, you know, you certainly can't say this is going to be the toughest guy that Marshman's ever been inside the cage with. But um, this, this fight has a wide range of outcomes. It, you know, it's a couple guys who, you know, we don't have a ton of background on in a spot on the car that, you know, they probably shouldn't be on. If you told me this is the last time Roberson or Marshman would ever fight on the main card of a pay-per-view, I would tell you the odds are probably considerably better than 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, but there are a bunch of guys, as for, from what I've seen from Marshman, there are a lot of, there are a few guys on the roster who um, fight like he, he, uh, he, do, he, just, he did, he does in the sense of they mostly get by with grit and determination. Um Jim Miller is, you know, Jim Miller has a world-class ground game, but, you know, Jim Miller's at the point in his career where it's pretty much just grit and toughness at this point. Um, Evan Dunham, you know, who who recently stepped aside, same thing. You know, he, he, he's, he has capable mixed martial arts skills, but him surviving in fights is pretty much based upon grit and toughness, you know, and just sticking with it. And, you know, that's what I see from Marshman. Roberson's the better athlete, but, you know, this, it's neither of these, even though we're picking Roberson, I think both of us, um, you know, neither of these guys, even Roberson, he's not a huge prospect. You know, there's just not, there's not a lot here either way. And, um, you know, once in a while, you get a fight where they put a big time prospect against a nobody, um, you know, to try and put him on the main card of a pay-per-view or whatever, whether it's, you know, Mackenzie Dern or, you know, on a high spot on the card or whatever. That's not the case here. It's just it's a weird fight with a wide range of outcomes. And it's just one I would avoid. Yeah, I think Dane is just hoping to see a finish here. And maybe he's, he knows something that we don't because the odds of the finish are only minus 205. He's just hoping to get some entertainment. And again, I just describe it as a filler fight. Um, now, when I turn the film on and I watch Roberson's fights again, he his athleticism is what I fell in love with. And that's why I picked him in this fight. Um, so, so that's why I went that way. But I'll, I'll play a little devil's advocate here. Why not? I mean, I asked a couple of the guys, you know, for a little more in-depth reasoning on why they went Marshman. And, you know, for them, it boiled down to... Uh, Maybe thinking Roberson's a little bit overrated. I mean, in theory, Roberson is supposed to be the kickboxer. But when you go back to his professional kickboxing career, I believe he's 0-3. So former kickboxer doesn't necessarily mean he's going to dominate at all in the striking battle. I mean, when you look at uh, the numbers, now Roberson only has a two-fight sample size. But just under three significant strikes landed per minute for Roberson in those two fights and uh, three and a half for uh, Marshman in his. So, you know, maybe there's an edge there. I for me, this one is as close to, you know, maybe both of them should be 8,000 or one should be 8,800 because I, I just don't, I see the athleticism and I get that and that's why I picked Roberson. But this is one of those that kind of like Souza and he's even, and Marshman's even $200 cheaper than Souza. Um, I could see using him in a DraftKings lineup because like we've been discussing, that seems to be a theme. These fights, they're, they're wide margins in these fights and there just isn't a whole lot of upset potential. And I think, you know, with the minus 205 odds to finish and the betting odds being, you know, close-ish with respect to what we're looking at on this card, maybe there's a chance for Marshman. But officially on the record, I'll go Roberson. But but this one is closer to a to- toss-up than the odds indicate. At least that's that's the way I see this one, John. Yeah, it's definitely there. You know, the next fight we're going to talk about, we certainly 
have stronger feelings on. But oh, yeah. the, the, like you said, this looks like a fight that they put on where they're expecting a lot of action. You know, maybe you know, maybe just, just hopefully get a knockout and just get the crowd going. Mm-hmm. Maybe Dana's like, okay, one of you guys knock the other one out, I'll double your bonus or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's all. You something know, like that. That stuff happens sometimes. But anyway, yeah, let's talk about this next middleweight fight, John. Uh, an underrated fight. One of the reasons I'm going to make sure that I tune not turn on this pay-per-view right at the beginning because I like both these guys and they're going to put on an exciting fight. We've got Derek Brunson and Israel at a Adesanya, the last style bender. Uh, Adesanya, I was a little surprised to see how much of a favorite he was. He's 9,100 on DraftKings. Brunson, 7,100. Adesanya, minus 320 uh, betting favorite. Brunson, plus 260. So when you think about the salaries, they, they match up with the odds for sure. Odds to finish on this one are minus 225. John, we're going to see some really, really creative striking in this one. I, I can bet. I, I bet you this fight's going to be highly, highly entertaining. Who do you have in this one? I'm taking Brunson in an upset. Uh, this, this was my big upset pick on the card. Uh, this is going to be a really, really, really good fight. Entertaining two guys who in a really, really short period of time developed a legitimate dislike for each other. Brunson and Adesanya just don't get along. Um, Derek Brunson is underrated. He's been underrated for a long time. He's 34 years old now. He'll be 35 in January. Um Two and three in his last five fights, but when you dig deeper, he's fought better than that. Um, November 2016, almost two years ago, was knocked out by Robert Whitaker, but those who remember that fight, he had Whitaker in massive, massive, massive trouble before he kind of, you know, got wild and Whitaker ended up turning the tables on him. His next fight in February, he lost a unanimous decision to Anderson Silva, which was a joke. Everybody in the building know that knew that Brunson won that fight. Um, rebounded from those two fights to quickly knock out Liliota Machina and Daniel Kelly. And then this past January um, was knocked out in the first round by Jacare after, you know, getting nailed with a head kick. Derek Brunson has explosiveness that very, very few fighters in the company in any in any um, weight class can match. He can go from zero to 60, you know, in the blink of an eye. And that's, you know, believe it or not, that's kind of troubled him a bit in the past. He's gotten wild like he did in the Whitaker fight. Um, and Adesanya is extremely interesting. He's a fighter who is one of the most unorthodox strikers in the whole company. Um whether, you know, you see guys like maybe Yair Rodriguez or, you know, these guys who throw all these crazy strikes from all these odd angles. And that's exactly what Adesanya does. He's virtually impossible to train for because you just can't find a sparring partner who can mimic what he does. But Brunson has, has an explosiveness and athleticism that is really difficult to match. And I'm taking Brunson in an upset. But the, the one thing that concerns me again with Brunson, and it's going to be an issue in every fight that he has, is his fight IQ, just it's just not very good. You know, he had Whitaker beaten, essentially, and he just he got stupid. He tried to do too much, and he ended up paying for it. Um, I'm worried on a fight-to-fight basis that his fight IQ is going to hamper him. You know, if he has Adesanya in, in trouble and he tries to go for broke and pick up a finish, you know, when it's not quite there yet, Adesanya certainly has the striking skills to turn the table on him and finish him. But um, even if you think Adesanya is going to win, I was really surprised with both the odds and the salaries. A two thousand there's I'm I, I, there's certainly not a two thousand dollar gap between the two. And a minus Adesanya at minus three twenty was very surprising to me. I would have probably had him, you know, maybe I don't know, minus two hundred somewhere around there. Maybe have Brunson at plus one seventy five, you know, something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can buy that. I, I definitely can. And uh, is are all in on Adesanya, and that's not a knock on Adesanya. You know, he's really, really good. But I just think Brunson brings explosiveness and athleticism to the table that very, very few guys can match. And I think he's getting underrated a bit because of because of the Jacare knockout. He was knocked out in the first round, and you know, people all of a sudden are down on him. But you know, everybody gets knocked out. It can, it can happen. So I'm I'm with you, John. Where maybe Adesanya is a little bit greater than a favorite. Than I expected, but I, I will say that this guy, this guy is no joke. You mentioned the unorthodox striking; that's going to be his signature. He is going to throw kicks, and uh, you know, hey, that happens to be how, how uh, Derek Brunson was knocked out his last time. But uh, that's not necessarily the reason I'm picking Adesanya. Adesanya is a growing martial artist. He seems like a guy who's getting better. Every time out, he he even posts like his own film breakdowns on social media. Like here, here's how I invented this elbow move. He'll come at you like he's feigning a jab, but really pull it back and throw an elbow. And the only other guy that I've seen that before is uh, you know, despite his antics and and what all what has all happened over the last few years, is one of my favorite and most respected fighters of all time in John Bones Jones. Now I'm not going to call out Asanya the second coming of John Bones Jones, but physically, in terms of the long the long long limbs, that kind of thing. He has those types of advantages here down in the middleweight division. Now, it's not crazy over Brunson. It's only a three-inch reach advantage, three-inch height advantage in this one. But Adesanya is going to be throwing kicks constantly. He's going to be throwing elbows constantly. If he, if maybe Brunson catches him and tries to pounce, Adesanya will turn around and hit him with a spinning elbow. He, that's one of the moves that you'll see him definitely throw a couple times in this fight. They don't call him the last style bender for nothing. I'm a big fan of Adesanya, what he was able to do in his in his last fight. I, I definitely picked him against uh, Brad Tavares. He's 3-0 and in the UFC, so maybe a little bit inexperienced, but he did fight a five-round fight on the tough finale. I wish this one was a five-round fight. I, that would be the fan in me wants that to happen. But I just think that Adesanya is going to get more creative and find more ways to win. Now, I haven't, I don't really particularly remember an, an instance where his uh, chin was really, really, really tested. But uh, I look at, you know, he fought Brad Tavares last. Brad Tavares is a very respectable fighter. Outstruck him 119 to 40. So there's another good thing for fantasy points. $9,100 is a little tough for a fantasy lineup, but again, if you use a couple underdogs, I think you can get there. So I'm in the Adesanya camp. I'm with you, John, where not as much. I didn't expect to see this big of a favorite. But as far as picking this one, at least in my mind, it, it's a little bit clear. Now, Brunson, 2-5 and five in his last, or 2-3 and three in his last five fights. Those wins were against, uh, you mentioned, Lyoto Mishida and Daniel Kelly, uh, two guys that I think we can both agree probably well past any kind of prime, a little bit washed up. Uh, Israel Adesanya is not that. He is an entirely different monster. He is a developing martial artist, and I think he can find a way to get a finish, which is why I'm inclined to use him on DraftKings. So I guess agree to disagree here, but uh, I can see Brunson as an underdog play, but for me, it's more like in two of ten lineups where I think you're leaning more of like six to seven of ten lineups. Yeah, about that. And Brunson has to be careful because what makes him great is you know, that that explosiveness he has, particularly in short spurts. But if he does have Adesanya hurt, he's got to be careful, you know, not to not to go too far with that like he did with Whitaker. So, you know, it's a delicate balance. It's something that he struggled with in the past. And um I definitely think a three round fight probably favors Brunson a bit more. Oh yes. Um any five round fight where you can let Adesanya pick you apart, you know, is going to be difficult to beat him. But this is a good fight. 
Um, you know, I did. I I was I was cool. I, I was up and down on the pick. You know, it was certainly not a clear pick for me. But uh, this should be an entertaining fight. Um, and it's you know two guys who there's room for immediate advancement in the middleweight division, given you know the age of some of the guys and the injuries of some others. So uh, you know the winner here is going to come flying up the rankings. Mm-hmm. The whole division is going to be on showcase Saturday night, and it's going to paint a pretty clear picture of what the next steps are. The last point I'll make on this fight: odds to finish, like I said, are minus two twenty-five. But outside of the main event with Cormier and Lewis, that everyone expects to end at a finish. That's the second highest odds to finish on the pay-per-view cards. So we like this one to finish, and that's why you want to get a piece of this one. This is one that you know, you're know going to stand on one side of the argument, whether it's John's, whether it's mine. This is one that you're going to, wherever you land on this argument, is going to determine the direction you go with your entire lineup building process, especially if you're only a one lineup guy. Of course, MMA is a sport where you typically need to play more than that to uh, maybe involve a little bit of game theory in it. You know, we could do a whole podcast on the strategy there, but you need to sit on one side here. But speaking of DraftKings, John's, We've talked about how there are a lot of very high margins in betting odds on this card. Are there any other underdogs that stand out to you on this fight, whether it's the main card? I think most of mine come on the main card, uh, but 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 with you, anything else that stands out, anyone else that you think has a reasonable chance at an upset that can maybe get you some salary relief on DraftKings? The only one that stood out right away when I looked at the odds were and the salaries were Brian Kelleher on the, on the undercard against Montel Jackson. Um Kelleher's at 7,900, um, which is really quite surprising. A New York guy, um, you know, should have the crowd behind him. And he's, you know, he's been good in his Joe Seeker. Kelleher's had some impressive performances in native Long Island. You know, he beat Henan Barrow, and I know that doesn't mean all that much these days like he used to, but still, beat Henan Barrow. Um, Came in on short notice in his UFC debut and uh, submitted Uri Alcantara, who's you know very good. And you know, last in his last fight in May, he was knocked out by John Lineker. You know, big deal. Lots of people get locked out by John Lineker. No shame in that. So he's facing a guy in Montel Jackson, who again very inexperienced, only has seven professional fights under his belt at the age of 26. Um, product of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. You know, came off the board, fought Ricky Simon in his first official fight in August, and dropped a unanimous decision. So I was really surprised Keller was an underdog. Not much of an underdog, 7,900 compared to Jackson's 8,300. But like we mentioned earlier, in a card with a lot of high-priced fighters, you're going to have to try and find some underdog value somewhere. And Kelleher was the one guy who immediately stood out. Yeah, that's funny. I, I I swear we didn't plan this, but I was looking at the odds value. Kelleher was the guy that actually jumped up to me, too. I mean, plus 110. 7,900. Again, the disparities on this card are huge. So he's good. The other thing I liked about Kelleher is uh, over five significant strikes landed per minute during any fights with the UFC WEC on Fight Metric here. So I always like to check out those stats a little bit. So uh, the volume actually bodes well. So if they go all three rounds, you know, maybe, maybe win or lose, he can find you a decent amount of fantasy points, which would make him a pretty decent option in cash games for me. Otherwise, I mean, if you, if you don't go with that, you're looking at, you know, maybe you use Marshman, maybe you agree with me and use Souza, maybe you agree with John and use Brunson, but those are your best salary relief options on this card. It's really a tough one to play. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, if you don't, if you, like you mentioned, if you don't go that route, you know, you're looking at fighters like Roxanne Modafferi at 6,800 or Ben Saunders at 6,700. And if that's the route you go, 
all you're really essentially doing is betting on their experience. You know, they've been fighting for so long and, you know, they've had so many fights against quality opponents in, you know, Mataferi's case, really like a pioneer women's MMA. So, you know, if you're doing that, you're essentially betting on experience, at least with Kelleher. If you put him in your lineup, you know, you're betting on talent and ability, which is, you know, the way to go. Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, Ben Saunders has a ton of knockout ability or knockout susceptibility, I should say. So I, I don't really like using him. I think as long as Sarge is, as long as her weight cut is fact or is fine, Sajara Eubanks, she's angry, she's motivated, she wants that title shot. I'm actually even at 9400. I'm trying to use her however I can. You know, Stars and Scrubs is really the way to go in this one. But but neither Matafari or Sanders or Sanders have a ton of appeal for me. So hopefully we gave you guys enough uh en- enough information to put some lineups together to have some fun this is going to be a fun card i mean the ufc makes its annual pilgrimage to madison square garden i don't think it quite stacks up to uh some of the past years you know when mcgregor headlined or even the year before but it's a good card it's a good fun card i'm gonna have fun i think we're all gonna have fun you got any final thoughts on the card john yeah you know it's you know it's not what it was the first couple trips that you know they made you know you don't have that one you know insane fight you know they they tried you know the the ufc tried for months to try and get something really significant done here and you know they for a while they you know it was looking good you know they would have had poirier and diaz and then you have weidman and rockhold and you have branch and soza uh you know they talked about polo costa and yell romero that was on the card before romero wasn't cleared so you know, th- this was stacked up to be bigger than it is. Still not bad. Not in the days and age where we get some pay-per-views and we just stare at each other like, you know, what are they doing? It's certainly not that. But it's, you know, pretty much just, you know, it's a middle-of-the-road pay-per-view card as far as I can tell. I'm at least happy that they didn't settle for Shevchenko and Eubanks in the main event. That, that would have been great. Yeah, we talked about that in, on our last podcast before 229, and that looked like the way they were going at the time. And we briefly mentioned how much of a disaster that would have been, not only for the fight that fight itself but then you you know you would have lost Shevchenko and Joanna which thankfully we're going to get in Toronto so exactly. um that ended up working out mm-hmm. yeah and I, and I sure hope they find a way to rebook Paulo Costa and Yoel Romero because that'll be a pretty great fight I think a couple of jack guys looking <laughs> looking to do some head hunting and uh yeah that'll be a fun one but hey that's going to wrap things up for us today. It was a pleasure, as always, John, doing this with you. A couple quick housekeeping things. First of all, first and foremost, thanks everybody who listens, who tuned in, who made it this far, who bared with us this far. Um, if, if you're not a RotoWire subscriber, give it a shot, rotowire.com slash free. I mean, the MMA content is free for everybody, but uh, you know, there's some other great DFS content across the board, so definitely we want you as part of the community. If you don't want to be a RotoWire subscriber, that's fine, but the best thing you can do to help us out is just take a second when you're done with this go to itunes give us a five-star rating and review uh, th- that's one of the most helpful things you guys can do and uh, i'm always very very grateful john i can for sure you can say the same so thank you thanks again for listening for in advance for the rating and, and the review and of course for just being a part of the road to wire community we're always happy to have you so once again follow john on twitter at j-o-n-l-i-t-t-e-r-i-n-e you can follow me on twitter at jakeski52 i'll be doing a little bit of promo for uh some of the other road to wire mma content that will be coming your way but as far as john and i we're going to be back with you guys prior to ufc 231 on december 8 that is max holloway and brian ortega great fight glad that one's finally happening but uh until then uh we will catch you next time and best of luck in those DraftKings lineups